Hi, this is Feed, Play, Love, the parenting podcast that you can fit in your pocket. Short, informative and interesting interviews about everything from toilet training to how emotion coaching works. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. The next interview is one of the diamonds from our archive. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris has over 30 years experience and if you've been watching or listening to this show for any amount of time, you'll know there aren't many questions she can't answer. So she's here to help you with everything from feeding to settling to behaviour. How are you, Chris? I'm really well. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. <laughs> Before we start, um, there's a few ways you can ask your questions. If you're watching us live via Facebook, you can pop your questions in the comments comments section below the video. And if you're listening via the podcast, you can send an email to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. You can also give us a call on 1800 543 772 if you're watching us live, of course. Can't do that if you're on the podcast. No, not really. Sorry. So tune in live if you'd like to call Chris. Like our first caller, Kathleen, she has a question. She has a six-month-old and has some questions about settling. Hi, hi, Kathleen. How are you? Hello. Good. How are you? Good. We're well. Thank you. Tell us what's happening with your little one. Okay. So, um, so yeah, Penelope is um, about – I'll just give you a bit of a background, if mm-hmm. that's all right. And then I've got my um, – questions sort of jotted down so I don't go on big rambling tangents. That's okay. I'll just read. (laughs) You're probably sleep deprived. We understand the tangents. Okay. All right. So yeah, so she's six and a half months old now. Um, Up until about a week ago, we were co-sleeping because that was the only way that was allowing me (laughs) long stretches of sleep. Um, But that stopped. um, Yeah, a little over a week ago, it was no longer sustainable. I was no longer getting those longer stretches. Um, I've now transitioned her to the bassinet next to me. She doesn't have a dummy. Um, She has slowly been introduced to solids. So around five and a half months, I just did Farex. And then once she turned six months, I started very simple sort of pureed veggies. So that's all quite new. Yes. Um, I've also recently been using the Kindred Daily Rhythms app. So that's yep. been really helpful for me. To, and I've only just sort of started that in the last few weeks as well. So she, she roughly sleeps at the time the app sort of suggests and roughly sleeps for the hours that sort of suggests. So that's, Perfect. that's pretty good. Um, but I just really need assistance with settling and resettling. So sure. I stopped the Feed to Sleep Association around five months just gearing up to all this um, just, just to, yeah just to yeah. Sort of stop yeah just to sort of stop that um but after i transitioned her back to the cot that's sort of gone by the wayside um yep. so during that time she'll wake usually uh, um usually around 45 minutes to an hour and i'm able yep. to resettle her um and overnight but overnight she usually wakes every one to two hours yeah um for those periods of awake i mean the best the quickest thing i know to do is just put her on the boob um yep. And, like, so sometimes she suckles, sometimes she has a drink. It's quite erratic. Um, it's, yeah, it's the quickest way to get her back into a cot. Sometimes I'm then able to pat her back to sleep, and other times she just won't settle for ages. So there's a lot okay. of picking her up, putting her back, picking her up, putting on the boobs, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so my question is, so when she wakes and cries, how do I 
settle and resettle without extended periods of rocking, suckling, yep. but also ensuring she's not hungry. Yeah. Where do I start? Okay. So <laughs> if we start with the day, do you do yes. four good breastfeeds through the day? I, oh, yeah. More, so do you, I would say. Okay. Yeah. So what we have to do is bring him back to the four so that she feeds effectively in the day okay. instead okay. of having little snack attacks across the day. So this okay. will give us um, the tick box to say, well, at least when I put you down, you don't need a feed at night for four hours. So we're going to try and just break her into the four-hour rhythm first and then see if we can get extension after that. So okay. if she has four good milk feeds in the day and two good meals sort of following the rhythm that you had mentioned, then if you don't give her those little snacks in the middle, I think you'll get much more effective feeding, which will fill her better. So morning feed, mid-morning feed, somewhere lunchtime, mid-afternoon, and then in the evening with two meals, say a breakfast and a dinner, then I would tick the box and say, I've fed you to the best of my ability across the day. Okay. 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 The second thing that does is stopping the snacking part, which might be associated with getting too tired and, and luring into sleep. Because when it comes to her sleep behaviour, she gets a few different signals, some rocking, some patting, some snacking, some ups and down. So we're going to try and level that all out for you. So four good milk feeds, two good meals in the day, and using the rhythm of about awake for about two hours when you see her tide signs. Yeah. Then we um, we can talk through that. Um, so okay. then, then I think you've got her in the right spot to set her up for her night. Okay, Okay. so then what we want to do is get her to the four-hourly period for feeding without feeding in between because then she'll feed properly for you and it'll probably help her longingate her sleep periods for you. Now, before you said that she went, you put her now into a bassinet. Is it a bassinet or a cot? Uh, It's a bassinet. It's one of those little ones that they go into as newborns and it can attach to the side of the bed. Okay, so has she got enough room? Because a six-month-old is usually growing out of a bassinet and that's what wakes them. So that's Uh, what I would be thinking when you first said she's waking every hour to two hours is she's just moving around a little bit more, maybe knocking into the the sides. Yeah. Yeah, So sometimes the simplest answer is actually the answer that works. Do you have a cot for her? I don't. We're going to go get one. We're going to get one in the next um, week or so. Um, Okay. (laughs) Day also. <laughs> Day also. Don't wait too long. I think Don't wait. Kathleen okay. is what she's saying. Okay. Don't so ponder right. it. Okay. I'd probably go and get it. Um, okay. So, so think, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she's, not, she's a small bub. Yeah. You know, but she's not. Um, but you're probably right. She yeah, yeah. So I don't know many six-month-olds, even if they're small, when they extend their arms and and they sort of pivot from left to right at about this age, or they roll over, but pivoting, and they just hit the side of the bassinet because they do wake about their sleep cycle somewhere between an hour and ten and two twenty. So when she sort of comes out of that sleep, she might hit something and that fully wakes her up. Okay. instead of allowing her just a bit of movement and a readjustment to put herself back to sleep. So that's the first thing I would consider. Okay. The second thing I would consider is not feeding her under the four hours. So whether you have to rock her, pat her, pick her up, calm her down or put her down, or maybe if your partner could help out in between that first four hours. So if you put her to bed at 6.30 or 7, the next window would be, say, 11. 
Okay. And but don't not don't worry about what you're doing, but don't feed her. Okay, so that we can clarify what a feed is versus what is soothing and what is comfort. So if we can go that four hours and you rock her, pat her, pick her up when she's getting a little worked up, calm her down, put her back down and go back to patting. Now we're giving her much much more clarity in what we're asking her to do. This is about settling. That is about feeding. Okay. So if we can get okay. it to four hours, I think she'll feed better. And so your next window has a much um, better chance of being more solid sleep. But okay. please don't underestimate the size of the bed and the warmth of the child because they're two factors that I think people just think it's all about the feeding. But actually, there's so many factors that come into play. Plus that cueing that she gets, you know, she gets a cuddle, she gets a pat, she gets down, you're close by because she's used to that being close by. But I think the first thing I would do is change her bed. So that might help. And then stretch into the four hourly feeding to see if she feeds better, therefore sleeps better for you just naturally. So, I mean, the cot's not going to fit in our room. I'll have to put her into her, her room. room. Yeah. What, how do you think that may impact? Should it be not be something I worry about? What I do you think, think with her being six months old now and much bigger and much stronger and the ability to roll, um, she has more uh, coping strategies and resilience to be put in her room and I find that when I work with people because this is such a dilemma as to when do they go in their own room Mm. if the cot doesn't fit in there as long as she's placed in a safe sleeping position in her own room then there's you know that's that's really good that's what we should be doing but weirdly you don't hear all the little noises so what happens Mm. for the parents is they hear her when they need to go but they don't hear those little grunts and groans and rollovers that babies do and actually you might get more clarity about what's going on for her yeah because you're not just responding to the sound beside you you're actually thinking oh she's trying to put herself back to sleep or no she needs me now you know so you get a bit more clarity about where the baby's at I feel but you know if you hurt where how far away is her room to you Two meters or something. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. So she's not at the end of the McMansion. No, No. definitely not. (laughs) So I think you'll feel more comfortable. Leave your doors open so you hear it really naturally. You know, so but you you won't you won't hear that little murmur and that little movement that they do that constantly wakes you up. You'll hear her when she needs you. Okay. And when you said warmth of the child, do you mean like what do you mean like clothing her? Yeah. Or coolness depending on which part of the cycle of winter, spring, summer we're in. So, you know, she might have, um, because it's summer at the moment, a short sleeve bodysuit, a very light um, sleeping bag on, does she need a fan in the room, all of those things to to, to move the humidity of the room to make her comfortable to be able to sleep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. So they all play a part as well. Okay. All okay, right, great. Kathleen, we'll hope Thank that works so for you. Good luck. Thank you. Oh, but before you go, Chris, how long should Kathleen expect this period to take them? I, I think with all those little changes that we spoke about, I, I'd be probably giving it a week to 10 days to see what fixes itself. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. That's good, a pleasure. Good luck, okay. Kathleen. See Thank you later. You. Bye.
Bye. We have a message from Christy on Facebook Live now, who is obviously listening to what you just said. Yeah. What age is best to begin the four feeds during the day? My bub is four months and has been waking every two and a half hours at night. So usually um, with a four-month-old, I'd probably be feeding that baby about every three to three and a half hours because they often don't have enough solids to stretch those milk feeds out. So the four feeds in the day is more common to a six-month-old. And at four months, I'd be feeding about every three to three and a half hours so that they're feeding effectively if they're demanding it at that point. Yes, so much can change, can't it? Yeah, and there's so many changes between that four and seven-month period. It's almost Mm. like every time you turn around, there's a change in the baby. Yeah, fun. It's a nice learning curve for you. It's (laughs) great. This is an email from Christine. She says, I'm looking to help on when to feed during night wakings and when to settle, as I know sleep changes around the four-month mark. Oh, sleep changes around. Yeah. Yeah. So this could answer your question as well, Christy. Yeah, that's right. I have a four-month-old who varies in her night wakings from once around 2 to 3 a.m. to three times, 10 10 to 12 and then every three hours after. She goes to sleep from wide awake on her own with a dummy for all naps at the beginning of the night and after night feeds. If she wakes before 2am, I try the dummy to see if she'll settle, but if not, get her up for a feed. At times, she wakes uncomfortable, wind pains, etc., and won't settle with the dummy, but quickly sleeps with some rocking. She's bottle fed and not a great feeder so often has two thirds of a bottle during feeds, three to three and a half hours apart. I've been trying to feed her when hungry, that is longer than three hours, rather than by the clock, as if not hungry enough, she will start snack feeding. This means some nights she'll be going to bed two hours after she last fed, so we give her a feed anyway, but she doesn't always have much. This makes me think wakes in the night are genuine hunger. We try to follow Christine's rhythm from her book, morning nap around one to one and a half hours. She's still a bit hit and miss. On the resettles, 45-minute cat nap, afternoon one and a half to two hours. Again, hit and miss, but better than the morning nap and sometimes a cat nap. If the cat nap is around five, we try, but she will rarely sleep. So we get her up and do bath, feed and bed by six. Okay. So how, when to feed and when to sleep. Okay, so I think the missing piece of information for me in this is how much does she take in the bottle because I think people get very varying ideas and if you read the back of the formula because she's a bottle fed baby they can vary greatly so she you might be giving her a completely reasonable amount of milk and she's actually drinking enough so therefore we can start extending her at night or she quite literally isn't Um, feeding and taking enough to get her through the night. So what would I think is reasonable for her age? I think the three to three and a half hours is about right. At four months, I would be thinking somewhere between 120 and 150 in her day feeds. Um, With an evening feed, I always make the evening feed a little bit more to help extend their night of about 180. So if if you use the rhythm that you're on, and you're in amongst that 120 to 150 with a slightly bigger bottle in that feed bath feed sequence, then she is doing well generally, okay? So if we assume she's doing that, then I think like you're doing, and I think you're doing the right thing, is that when she first wakes up, when it's a bit earlier than it has been, you try and resettle her first, and then you're trying to get her back into that two, three o'clock window. 
generally at four months, they'll oscillate between two feeds overnight and one feed overnight. So when it gets to three feeds overnight, the common pattern that you see is they've had a feed around that nine, 10 o'clock. So once they have a feed there, they tend to wake every three to three and a half hours. It's like they've got to have a long sleep to then fall into a good feed to then have another long sleep. So this is what I find. But the four-month-old is a tricky baby. They're very alert, very aware. They're very – they recognize you when you come in the room. They respond immediately. And weirdly, people call this a a recession – a regression. (laughs) Um, But actually, it's an awareness. So I think you're doing the right things. You're trying to resettle where you can – Um, I think the bottle feeds in the day is probably what's giving you those mixed nights. So if you can have a look at those varying amounts in the bottle, that might help you. Um, And I would reset all the first time she wakes and feed her the second time and see if we can get the momentum of her doing that nice six to eight hour window off the back of her bottles in the day to be able to get back into a good night's sleep for you. Um, We have an email from Ray. She says, my three and a half year old has always been a bit of a scatty sleeper. She'll sleep really well for a few weeks, months, and then have a horrendous week where she'll have extended night wakings of one to four hours. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. Usually around 2 a.m. As she gets older, these night wakings are longer and harder to resettle and the weeks of poor sleep seem to be getting closer together. A few questions on this. Any strategies to resettle a toddler in the night? She's been fully toilet trained for nearly a year, so we have to let her wee if she says she needs that. But mostly I feel like it's an excuse to get me to come in. Along with, I've got an itchy arm, can't pull my doona up, thirsty even though I'm right next to my drink bottle, etc. Are growing pains a real thing? (laughs) I'd like to know the answer to that one. A few people have suggested this is a reason, but I'm not sure. Mm. Also, in a previous podcast, you mentioned a jet lag effect around sporadic naps. Mm. She has a rest time every afternoon at 1pm with an hour sand timer, some audio books and a box of special books that she lays in bed and reads during this time. I keep her room bright so she'll only fall asleep if she really needs it. She does seem to fall asleep quite often though. Wondering if this is contributing to the night problems, although whether she has a sleep or not doesn't seem to predict the night we'll have. I always wake her so she doesn't sleep longer than 60 minutes. Okay. At three and a half, I'd probably, if this was the case where you've got quite significant um, uh, differences in her night sleep, I would attribute it to the hour sleep that she's having it in the day, even if it's erratic. Because they need to get into the pattern of being awake for about 13 hours in order to sleep. So if she does that for, say, four days, but then the next three days she has a one-hour sleep, then I think that does play a pattern on the behaviour because then she learns to wake up at night and then she lays there and you can tell she's awake and not needing something because she's thinking about what she could do. Like, I need a wee. I've got a niche and I need you to scratch it. So they're quite concentrated things that she's thinking about when she wakes up because I think she's awake and she can't get herself back to sleep. So I think that's why. And the older she gets, the more frequently you're going to see this. So what I would do now is to still give her a rest time. I think that's a really good thing for her to have. But I'd probably stop her day sleep 
And I would stop it for nearly two weeks before I decided whether it was working or not to see if we can get her nights in the right spot. And as I said before, you've got to watch the timing of when you put her to bed. So it's about 13 hours after she woke up. If she woke up at 6.30, I'd be putting her down at 7.30. Roughly, a three and a half year old usually goes to bed at 7.30, waking somewhere between 6 and 7 in the morning. So I think if you can take away that day sleep for and conscientiously take it away. So make sure she doesn't fall asleep in the room on her own. Um, I think it would be interesting to see how her sleep then was after two weeks of doing that. Hmm. That sounds... I I was thinking I could... Yeah, you could answer that. I could have answered that. But I was thinking as you were speaking, I wonder what time I should be putting my children to bed. (laughs) But that's for another time and not for this helpline. Uh, We do have Fiona on the phone though, and Fiona has a question about her son. Fiona, remind me how old he is again. He is two and... Three months-ish. Two and, and, two and a half. <laughs> three yeah. months. I know, it's kind of a hard one, two, two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, just a little, a quick one. We are moving house. Well, we've been renovating for the last year and we've been in a rental. Yeah. And obviously we're moving back to our home. home. Um, and just wanting to know in terms of how to keep him, I mean, we've been going to the house and he's been, you know, having a look at his new room and yeah. all those bits and pieces. That's but good. just when we move in, yep. um, how best to kind of help him Adjust. Yeah, adjust, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think you're doing the right thing by taking him to the house, showing him where his new room is. Um, The closer you get to making the move, the more frequently I'd go there, even letting him pack up a little box of his own things to put in the house. So he starts moving his things into the house as opposed Mm to a packer just packing everything (laughs) up and it being a bit chaotic. Um, So is he in the cot or in a... Yeah, so I've made a conscious decision to keep him in the cot until we move into the house and keep him there for, you know, a couple of months and then then move into a big bed. Okay, so in his new room, could you place the cot? cot in the same place it's been in in the last year like yeah. as he walks in orientate the cot to the same space um possibly I'll yeah think, yeah okay. so what you want to do is try and orientate the room yep. as close to the room that he's been in but I think at two and three months the beauty of that age is they are excitable about new things you know, so they do get very excited about, you know, a new room. I think the key to this is each time you go over, he packs a little something and takes it and puts it in his room oh, or the lounge okay, room yeah. or any other room or he feels there. the need to do. Um, but I And then orientate his bedroom as close yep. to the orientation that he has it. And okay. then I think you'll find you'll be surprised at how well this goes just, okay. just because they get excited about, you know, new things really easily. Oh, excellent. All right, well, I'm going to give it a go and see how it goes. But thank you so much. Please. That's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. No problem. Good luck with the move. Always fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. And we have a question from Rachel on the email. My two-and-a-half-year-old daughter is obsessed with her bottle. She uses it as a dummy, essentially. She has her bottle for day naps and for bedtime, but constantly asks for it throughout the day. I fill the bottle with mostly water and a splash of milk. Otherwise, she would have litres of milk. She goes to daycare two days a week and doesn't have it there. I know I should be strong and just say no, but when I do, she loses her little mind. And without it, bedtime is a nightmare and naps also. I should also mention she has a six-month-old sister who is mix-fed. Yep. Okay, so I think she is using it as a dummy. Um, The first thing I'd do is I'd certainly reduce the amount of fluid she's having. 
So I would do this in a graded way. She's certainly at an age where she doesn't need to carry a bottle. She doesn't need that fluid. She doesn't need it in her mouth. But the trick is knowing that and doing that are two very different things. And you've recently had a new baby. So now your baby is six months old and she's six months older as well. She's now two and a half. Her logical and her cognitive behavior, everything about her, you can now reason with. She may not like it and she might react to it, but you can definitely reason with her. So with a two and a half year old, it's all about how we transition them to the next stage. So how are we going to get from the point of where she's having, say, two or three bottles plus demanding it in the day? How are we going to get from that to not needing our bottle at all? So the first thing I would do is praise her for the days where she doesn't use it, which are her daycare days. Mummy's very proud of you. You didn't use the bottle today at daycare, mainly because she doesn't have it. But, you know, we'll use that. So praise her for the good bits. The second thing I would do is I'd explain to her outside of her bedtimes that we're only using bottles in bed. Okay, so she doesn't come out of her cot or off her bed until she hands you that bottle. So that she's sort of making the decision when to let go. So she's certainly going to get sensitive and fragile about this and say, no, mummy. And you just say, well, then you need to sit on your bed until you're ready to give mummy that bottle. So we're getting her to make some of that movement. The third thing I would do is put half the amount of um, liquid in her bottle. And in about three or four nights time, I would put a third. So there is just about 30 mils in that bottle. So she's getting less satisfaction from drinking from the bottle. And we get her drinking more from a cup because she's two and a half from her cup, buying her a princess cup or a whatever her thing is cup um, and transitioning the fluid part of it to the cup. So you're reducing the amount in the bottle quite dramatically because it sounds like she has um, big bottles. She only gets it in her bed. And we're praising her for a good day without the bottle and a good day at daycare without the bottle. Then once you get it down to just the beds, which will be twice, it'll be her once in her day and then once at night, then we're much closer to being able to get rid of the bottle. And at this stage, so I think it's going to take you a good three, four weeks to get to that point where she's just having it in the day with her day nap and at night when she goes down. From that point, you're going to have the very bad weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's good news. (laughs) That you're going to have a very bad weekend. And you need your partner and support around here. And we actually say to her, tomorrow, you, you are not going to have any more bottles. It's time for us to either remove the bottles, don't give them to the baby. That'd be a disaster. Um, I tend to say it's time to throw those bottles out now. I do use a bit of bribery and corruption at this point. So Saturday morning comes and we have our last bottle overnight and then we collect the bottles and we, I, I personally would throw them out so that they see that they're gone. And then I say to her, but I think we could have a nice bed toy. So we might go and, and buy a nice soft snuggly teddy or something that you can replace it with that is associated with going to bed. So a little bit of bribery and corruption never goes astray at this point. And then deal with the tantrums as a tantrum. So if she has the tantrum, let her have the tantrum. Once she's finished, then you say, I know this is difficult not having a bottle, but let's go and find the blocks and build a house. So you have to use that distraction. So slow transitions and distraction will get you through this, but have a plan of what you're going to do. Don't do it ad hoc because you'll, you'll falter and she'll go back to having, you know, 
walking around with it and having it all the time. So mm. good luck. Yes. I think you'll need it, Rachel. <laughs> I'll be okay. She's fine. You'll get there. <laughs> You've got this. Uh, we have time for one last e- uh, question. This is from Michelle. It's an email. I have a question about transitions for my almost two-year-old. He will be two in April. We are due with baby two in May and there's a few transitions I'm wanting to do before the baby arrives. We want to move his room so the baby will be closest to our bedroom. I also want to move him out of the cot. Ideally, I don't want to have to buy another cot and the baby will be in a bassinet for a few months anyway. He still has a dummy for sleep times only and occasionally at daycare when he's upset. Ideally, I was hoping to get rid of this before the new baby arrives. He's never been a great sleeper, but from 12 months old, he has been much better. Probably the reason for my hesitation with this. <laughs> There's also toilet training coming up, but I feel that he's not quite ready, so I'll probably wait until after the baby comes to even attempt that. Not sure what order to do these in and what sort of time frames to allow for these changes. Okay, so I think he can move him quite easily into his own room now because what if we're in February now, the baby's not due till April, so that gives him plenty of time. So I would make that move now. So we can talk about it. You're going into this room now. Don't necessarily say we're going into this room because we're going to put a baby in your room. Just say we're going to put it in, put you into this room now. It's bigger. You can have some toys or some books in there or sometimes we put a little teepee in there so he can have a little reading nook. So we're, we're not saying he's a big boy, but we're sort of making it into the bedroom you want him to go into. The thing I wouldn't do is move him out of the cot. It wouldn't matter how close that second baby's coming, I would not move him out of the cot until he was closer to two and a half. He will be warmer across the winter in the cot. Um, I would put a new baby, you know, if they grow out the bassinet into a travel cot before I would all get a second cot. But the risk is that if you put him into a bed too early, you will just have him walking all over the house because he's not old enough to understand about staying in the bed. So I would really consider that one. I'd maybe hold that one off and do that later in the year. And the dummy, I would get rid of his dummy before you move him into a big bed, about a month before he moves into a big bed. But I don't think it's necessary to remove it straight away. They're very big concepts that you're trying to achieve before a baby comes. And they're very big concepts for him as just a two-year-old to be able to do. So I would reconsider when I would do those, um, when I would do those transitions. Okay. And and is there any problem with leaving it a little bit later with no. the dummies? Any harder? No. In okay. fact, it's probably easier because they have more language. Uh, they have more, more um, resilience to self-soothe. So I think waiting in this case, but I do see this a lot where there's a second baby coming along. So let's achieve everything before the baby comes. And then they just keep going backwards and backwards and backwards. So it's harder. So it's harder in the long term. All right, Michelle. Well, good luck and feel free to get back in touch uh, once the second baby comes, if you have any more questions. But that is all we have time for on this episode of Helpline and Feed Play Love. If you want to ask Chris any of your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. That's helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. If you'd like to join us live, it's every Monday at 11.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Daylight Savings Time. Um, And if you 
if you've missed out and would like to have a one-on-one consultation with Chris Minogue or our other wonderful expert, Joe Ryan, we do have the Babyology Sleep School where you can book an appointment with either Joe or Chris. And I'll put uh, links to that in the notes of this episode of the podcast. And we'll pop a link up on the Facebook Live if you'd like to explore that option. Thank you for all your questions. And Chris, thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.